I'd say welcome back, but I don't know what I'd be welcoming you back to. But uh, it is officially the return of the Kings. I'm Luke, and the sexy beauty who is now officially a Canadian is Kyle. Cheers. And uh, yeah, we're just going to jump back into things. We'll pretend like things never stopped, I guess. I guess that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, um, definitely. I definitely have missed it. So uh, let's get right into it. What are we talking about today, Luke? Well, really quick, really quick. I just got to go on a rant. I'm at, the, I'm at the liquor store the other day, okay? My boss, my boss at work gets me a really nice liquor store gift card. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to treat myself. So I go to this section with everything that's, you know, when it's locked behind like a, like a clear door almost. Mm-hmm. So I go to that section and I pick out a fucking Japanese whiskey, Suntory whiskey by Toki. And I go, that's speak, it's speaking to me. It's speaking to me. I, I like, I love Japanese video games for the most part. And I love Japanese and I love whiskey. So I'm going to try Japanese whiskey. I am drinking a glass right now and I can thoroughly say Japan stick to video games and creepy hentai videos. Cause this, this just ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just... why I always say stick to the chart and true. I'm drinking Jameson old Milwaukee and that's the way. Oh my God. That's like Philadelphia <laughs> white trash right there. Well, I mean, you know what? It gets you drunk at the end of the day. That's all that matters, really, is getting drunk, right? You don't remember. <laughs> I, I will say this: I am whenever I go out, I don't think I ever remember ordering a drink, but I can definitely remember what happens right before and right after I order that drink. <laughs> if it's if it's tequila, it's usually me puking in my mouth after I take uh, it. I can't drink tequila myself. All right, so I guess we should hop right into it, and I think sure. like we're just we're gonna talk about like. I think it's important to kind of reflect on the biggest thing when it comes to dynasty football is the rookie draft. You know, if you're not in a year with a startup, the rookie draft is the end all be all. If you didn't win your league, because you can change the whole build of your team by just one really good pick. Right. Uh, And I'm going to get us started. I was really impressed. And like, I think everybody's really impressed. Don't know how the guy didn't make the pro bowl. I'm sorry. Like, you know what? A lot of good guys deserve to make the Pro Bowl. James Robinson deserved to make the Pro Bowl. A hundred percent. Dude carried Jacksonville. He carried them. But granted, he carried them to a what one in one in fifteen record, but he carried them somewhere. And and he's gonna have Trevor Lawrence next year. Right? Well, I hope so. I really hope Jacksonville doesn't fuck this up and draft Justin Fields. But I mean like James Robinson had a fantastic year. He had four games with over 100 rushing yards. He was a fantasy football nightmare. The amount of guys who I played in fantasy this year who just picked him up off the waiver wire after week one and then just proceeded to butt blast me with him week in and week out, man, it happened in like every league. Every single league. And I also happen to draft Darius Geis in every single league. I'm, f- I'm feeling kind of kind of stupid about that. Kyle, you got any opinions on James Robinson? Yeah, I uh, I like James Robinson. I definitely, uh, I definitely miss the vote when it comes to James Robinson. I know a few of our buddies were high on him. But again, I mean, this was an undrafted uh, rookie. So I think... It just shows how, how the NFL works, right? You, like, you really never know at the end of the day. Like, this was a kid that 
I, I think that nobody really believed in, but then them cutting Fournette just like last second all of a sudden, right before the season started, it changed everything, right? Like, like listen, imagine another world where Fournette doesn't get cut. We're not talking about James Robinson, right? And it doesn't mean that he wouldn't have flashed his rookie year if they didn't cut Fournette, but he's not getting 200-plus carries if Fournette's on the team. You know what I mean? And, like, Yeah, and, and it's also important to remember, too, when they cut Fournette, Robinson wasn't even the clear-cut starter. No, it was uh, – what's his name? Uh, Raquel, Raquel Armstead. Yeah, Raquel Armstead, yeah. Who actually – I had a bunch of shares of him, unfortunately, and he's the back. In my opinion, I, I only invest into one back in every backfield or at least heavily invest into one back in every backfield. Personally, for me, it was Armstead because I didn't believe in Fournette. I thought it was something went wrong. Armstead was going to take over. But then Armstead had, I think it was COVID to start the season, and it yeah. kind of just opened up the door to Robinson. So there's another world where Armstead doesn't get COVID, and maybe we're not even having this conversation either. It was just a very weird situation how all the dominoes fell into a perfect place for Robinson. And he took advantage of it. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to say he's lucky. Like, he, he took advantage of his opportunity. No, and for sure. It, you know what? I think the only room for improvement when it comes to James Robinson is just in the passing game. And granted, he didn't have the best quarterbacks this year. If you're starting Mike Glennon at quarterback, you're probably doing something wrong. But I, I'm hoping, especially for PPR formats, that Robinson just like takes off with a better quarterback and not only goes like well with the rushing, but also succeeds in receiving. And you see it a lot with running backs, so who knows? It could happen. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Robinson is a top 10 back next year. And it's it's funny you mentioned how they were playing Mike Flood and stuff, and maybe we could talk about this down the road, but like it's pretty obvious that Jacksonville was tanking. I mean, like Gardner Minshew was obviously their best bet to win games. I mean, if you think otherwise, I, I just think you're high. Like, honestly, you're just like, <laughs> like, you know, like, seriously, like, like you look at Mike Glennon and uh, Jake Mouton and Gardner Minshew, who's your best bet to win your games? It's Gardner. He has that, you know, the swagger about himself. And I just think when when he came back from injury and they didn't commit to him again, it just showed to me that Jacksonville really wanted that number one pick. And they were smart about it because they got that pick instead of the Jets at the end. I honestly think Minshew, I don't think he's going to be like a, I think Minshew, when I, when I look at him, I see a guy who could easily start in the league. So do I, I see a, I see a, a Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, yeah. I don't like nothing a, special, but like, if you've got a good team around him, he could win you some games. Like, like, you know a, like, I mean? a, like, you know what? Perfect example. Blake Bortles in 2017 with Saxonville. Yeah, or Jared Goff right now. Oh, don't even get started <laughs> on that bomb. Well, let's move on to my first guy before before I go down a rabbit hole about Jared Goff. <laughs> Fair enough? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so my first guy I want to talk about is somebody who on this podcast I hyped up a lot. And uh, I think everybody knows I was high on this guy. I said he was going to be the number one back in the draft. Uh, and he didn't go number one, but I still think, to, like, as of right now in dino formats, without a doubt, he's number one, and that's Jonathan Taylor. I think at this point, 
Jonathan Taylor is a top five dynasty back without a doubt. I mean, you take into effect how good the Colts offensive line is. And if the rumors are true and they take a guy like Stafford or even a Jimmy G, right? Like just, just get some sort mm-hmm. of veteran on that offense. They're still going to be extremely reliant on Jonathan Taylor. And let's be honest, Taylor took a little while to get going. It wasn't really to the second half of the year, like week 11, that we really saw him get going, uh, where he had like, you know, 22 carries for 90 yards against Green Bay. But the rest of the season, you know, he was a plus 70 every game as far as yards on the ground, you know, multiple catches. And I just think we only saw a glimpse of what he could do. And we're going to see a lot more. And as somebody who's a Bills fan, I saw him decimate my builds in the playoffs. Yeah, you know what? He he looked, especially in the playoffs, he looked very, very good. Uh, I with with Jonathan Taylor, I would compare him to like you know when you're like you're drinking and you feel literally fine, you're totally fine, and then all of a sudden you take a shot and everything just goes oh shit. Yeah, that's that actually was, a good that comparison. Was, that's that was Jonathan Taylor after week ten. In week eleven, he just was like, all right, screw it. He went ninety yards, ninety one yards, one fifty, eighty three, seventy four, and then capped off his season. With 253 yards. The only reason nobody's talking about this more is just because of Derrick Henry. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's just impressive. I mean, he finished number three in total uh, rushing yards for running backs. And I think just at the end of the day, uh, it goes to show, I don't think it was, I mean, I don't want to say it was all on Taylor because I definitely think early in the season he was having some vision problems. Like he wasn't taking the holes that were given to him. But in the same notion, I feel like Frank Wright and the the whole entire Colts team learned how to use him properly. And maybe that took time to understand how to use it properly. Like, he's a back like a Barkley, like a Henry. He needs 20-plus carries a game. Otherwise, he's not effective. Yeah, I totally agree. I think – when I'm when I'm looking at cons for Jonathan Taylor, it's kind of very similar to James Robinson in the sense that like he flashed the ability to be a good receiving back. Like in week one, he had six receptions for 67 yards. Like that's really good. And in college, he never had to really catch the ball. Uh, the but the thing that scares me about Jonathan Taylor is Naeem Hines had a really good year as well. No, and I think that definitely is a scary thought. The one thing I will say, he had, I think I think he had zero drops throughout the whole season. I'm like 90% sure. But he did have two drops in the Bills game as somebody who watched that game like a hawk. And they were bad drops, like open space. You know, you're talking 15-plus yards easily. So I think no matter what, Hines is going to have a role probably in that offense moving forward. But we've seen stuff like that before where we were scared to – invest in a back and guys like David Montgomery, perfect example, proved us wrong. Like we people were scared to invest in him because of Tariq Cohen. Yet the second half of the season, Montgomery finally proved why he could be at RB1. Yeah, and you know what? Like I at the end of the day, like I would probably say when it comes to PPR format, you live and die by the receiving back. Like if if you don't have like what makes Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey so special in PPR formats is not only will they like bust teeth and like run the ball, but they'll also like 
they'll put up 10 receptions a game if given the opportunity. And I think JT has that potential. Oh, without a doubt. And, without a doubt. And, but I think in order for that potential to show, Naeem Hines has to go. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, who do you got next on this rookie watch list? Yeah, so I'm going to pivot from the running back position. And honestly, like I feel like I feel like we could have talked about Herbert. We could have talked about the first half of the season that Burrow had. But what I want to kind of reflect on is the wide receiver position. Because I think everybody was kind of stunned when Ruggs went to the Raiders. And it, it seems like, an, like a fit because Derek Carr has like a, a, a rocket arm. Just no accuracy with it. But I and I said this at the beginning of the draft, before the draft. Sorry, the best wide receiver in that draft was C.D. Lamb. And while his stats might not reflect it, because of like the hit he took at quarterback and the hit the whole offense kind of took because of it, he was easily, without a doubt, in my mind, the best route runner out of any rookie wide receiver. He just like. He made Jerry Judy, who came into the draft, and Jerry Judy's thing was he was the best route runner in the draft. And if I'm comparing CeeDee Lamb to Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb easily, no question about it, top 10 dino wide receiver. And I don't think Jerry Judy even comes in the top 20 right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And actually, I I agree with your take on, I think as long as Dak gets re-signed, I put I put CD top ten as far as dino wide receivers, and I don't even think it's even close. You look at his numbers. Dak got hurt, and then you look at them afterwards, and that's no disrespect to Andy Dalton, but he's just not the same. Uh, you know, caliber. Well, he's, ginger. he's he's a ginger. Well, uh, yeah, not only is he a ginger, but he's just like <laughs> as much as I I liked I I enjoyed hating on Dak for like the last two years. I got to admit, man, I was pretty much. Dead wrong on Dak Prescott. Uh, he's a stud. Uh, if the if the Cowboys had a real defense and Dak wasn't hurt this season, they easily would have been a top five team in the league. Like I'm not even kidding you. Like I I think I was so wrong on Dak. Like the argument of Dak versus Wentz and Goff is it's so beyond over that it's Dak that it's not even close. Uh, and at the end of the day. I said it last year, and I still can't believe it. Like, CD should have been the first wide receiver off the board. Taking anybody else but CD was just moronic. Like, uh, like that's it at the end of the day. That's all I could say of it. Yeah, and you know what? It's I think if I'm Dallas, I feel like the best position right now is you got to trade Amari Cooper, okay? Get him off your books in his big contract. You then re-sign Michael Gallup and Dak Prescott. I think Gallup... And uh, CeeDee Lamb would be just as good of a pairing as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, I can see that. I actually, I think they'll even, I think they'll trade Zeke and Amari this offseason. I don't know if they trade Zeke just because of their truck. I think they could survive with Pollard just to say. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, oh, I think Pollard is a stud running back and given the opportunity, he'll blow up. But when it comes to Zeke, it's like if you're trying to convince Dak to re-sign, because it was proven this season they need him to succeed. If I'm trying to, you know, keep that team going, I'm not I'm not like messing with the vibes. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and 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 and, and him and Zeke and Dak are butt buddies, you know? You don't you don't mess with butt buddies. No, I I, I mean I completely get it. And I want to go uh same route as for the, my next rookie 
keep I'm going to keep going down the wide receiver route. Uh, I'm actually mixing up the order on our sheet, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, just because we're already <laughs> talking about CeeDee Lamb, the only wide receiver, in my opinion, who outshone CeeDee Lamb, and I think it's pretty obvious. We all know who I'm about to talk about. That's Justin Jefferson. I mean, when you talk about when you talk about a trade like that works out perfectly for both teams, that almost never happens in the NFL, right? Like almost every trade that has happened in the NFL has one side that has won out. Like there's very obvious cases like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and David Johnson. Oh, horrible <laughs> trade, right? Like that's an obvious one. But then there's other trades where it's like, you know, not not as obvious, but like it's still, you know, there's a clear cut winner. Like, but I think the Bills and Vikings trade might be one of the few examples where both teams got exactly what they wanted. The Vikings took Justin Jefferson with the Bills pick uh, that they got in exchange for sending Stephon Diggs for Buffalo. And obviously, we all know Stephon Diggs led the league in receiving yards. I don't want to touch on him right now because he comes up later in the show. But Justin Jefferson, when you talk about impressive rookie seasons, he broke every Vikings record. I'm pretty sure he broke a league-wide record for most impressive rookie season. And just, I mean, jaw-dropping. I like, I, I don't know how to put it into words, Luke, like, honestly. You know what? It's, it's, it, it speaks more volumes, not necessarily what he was capable of doing on his own, but with having Kirk Cousins of all quarterbacks throwing to him and also competing with Adam Thielen for receptions. Like, it, it, and you know what? I, I think it's safe to say that Buffalo right now is in a win-now position. If they don't win in the next four years, they'll go back into a rebuild. And I think you could, you'd admit that as well as a fan. Yeah. I, I think in four years, when people reevaluate this trade, I think Justin Jefferson could be, like, one of the all-time Viking greats, along with Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but the same notion – you ask any Buffalo fan or any person right now, nobody would have switched his trade because it's quite possible that Justin Jefferson wouldn't have fallen to that pick. It's quite possible they could have ended up with Jalen Ragor instead of Justin Jefferson. And then instead of having a you know 1,200-yard rookie wide receiver, they get a guy who's injured the whole year and can't produce at all. And then you don't have the Bills offense taking the flight does the season. You know what I mean? Like, like Yeah. They yeah. needed security and I, and I, in the wide receiver position. It's why they grabbed Diggs. I, told, I totally agree. And, like, while we're on the topic, because I think we've rattled off two elite rookie wide receivers, I'm going to hit it with the third yeah, one. Please. I think, like, we – I think I think we've arguably talked about the top two rookie wide receivers, and I think the third wide receiver in the top three for guys from last year is T. Higgins. I think Higgins and Tyler Boyd – and even if they re-sign A.J. Green, if all three of those guys are on the same team, and even if they don't re-sign A.J. Green because fuck them, I think T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are going to be a problem for this for this league for the very foreseeable future. I think there's no question in it. And the only thing I think they're lacking is a better offensive line and a better tight end. If they somehow get their hands on like pits in the draft, they, will, they won't get since, Pitts in the draft I, because they have to go they offensive pro- line first round. And Pitts you, is going first You round. know, you're probably right, but 
let's say if they could even sign a decent serviceable tight end in free agency and then draft an offensive lineman, like it's, it's, I think on paper, they might have one of the best offenses in the league. And remember too, they missed Joe Mixon for most of the season. Yeah. But I'm with getting his, a little, with I'm his getting weird ass injury that nobody ever explained. They kept saying he was going to come back and it didn't happen. And he, he put him on the freaking IR. Do you know how much? You know how much space I wasted on my roster keeping him in no, the active I know, roster trust me, because I, I never had him on a lot of teams. And it's a good point you mentioned about tight ends. You know who I think is going to be on the move this offseason? I think the Browns are going to ship Beckham and Cooper to different teams. I think the Browns realize that. Harrison Bryant can play that role. He proved it multiple times, I think, throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So if you could add a Austin Hooper to the Bengals locker room, which makes sense because they have the cap space. And then, you know, I don't think A.J. Green comes back. But T. Higgins can play that wide receiver one, in my opinion, at least. I think he definitely has that potential. Boyd stays at the two, and who knows, maybe they add uh, – Tyler Lockett. Nobody knows if Lockett's going back to Seattle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 yeah. get somebody else into that fold and hopefully Mixon finally stays healthy. I mean, we have been, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with Mixon, but like since his rookie season, we have been waiting for this. I mean, he was, he led the AFC in rushing yards his rookie season. And then since then, it's been injuries, problems with the Bengals offensive line. It's just been disappointing to say the least. Yeah, and you know what? I think T. Higgins, like, he's just a, a – so what you have in Boyd is you have a phenomenal slot-wide receiver. And Higgins brings a physically demanding presence on the outside. Yeah, Higgins is a and that's why I th- the only other wide receiver who I can see – comparable to him out of that rookie class and just because we're not going to really focus on him but i i already told luke i wanted to bring him up and that's uh michael Pittman. i think he's another one of those mm-hmm. physical wide receivers and uh we're not going to focus on on him in this section but if stafford goes to the colts you need to do everything in your power to buy Pittman. like i mean you know i mean I th- throw the house for Pittman, like throw everything you can, man. Doesn't matter what they ask for, throw it all for Pittman. He's gonna be fucking catapult through the sky to top fifteen wide receiver in the league. Look, it's interesting you say that. I do think that with Pittman, even if if they brought in like Stafford, Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson, like no matter which QB, Carson Wentz, if they bring in any QB. I, I just think Pittman's that. Well, yeah, and I watched, he, again, he, just like Jonathan Taylor, I watched him moss my bills the entire game in the playoffs. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, why did this guy not have more catches in the regular season? And, uh, I mean, uh, before we get, you know, down a rabbit hole, we'll wrap up this rookie section with the last one that we're going to talk about. And uh, this is a guy that me and Luke were both really high on. And uh, I'm just going to say one thing. Landing spot is everything. And that's not, ta- that's not mm-hmm. to take away anything from J.K. Dobbins. He's a, he, he was a stud coming out of college. We, we, me and Luke both thought he was going to be really good in, in the NFL. But landing on mm-hmm. a team where you have 
Lamar Jackson, who runs retardedly way too much. And then you also have Gus the Bus as another threat. And the Ravens run so many sets with all three of them in the backfield. J.K. gets lost in the mix so many times that when he comes stumbling through, you're like, oh, crap, J.K. has the ball. And then all of a sudden he hits you, and he's kind of like a he's kind of like a bowling ball, right? Like he's not a big guy, like height wise. He just comes through and no. puts his shoulder down. And next thing you know, you're flat on your ass, and you don't even know which way's left or right. And you know, what? I think that's odd. Like that's a perfect way to just. Dis- I think both Dobbins and and Gus Edwards are just bowling. They're guys. a good mixture. I think I, I think Dobbins is a little bit more elusive than Gus Edwards, but they're both just bowling ball running backs. And then if they got themselves like a Tariq Cohen, and and ran those three running no, backs, I don't even think they needed Tariq Cohen. I uh, my prediction think, this off season, the Ravens go out and trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, it's a waste, no, it's man. Not. Lamar Jackson's a running. Lamar Jackson is a running. They are running going back. to change that offense this offseason. That's my prediction. I wouldn't be shocked change if they fired to... Greg Roman at all. Okay. The only thing they could possibly do at this point, they already run a wildcat, like a basically a wildcat offense. The only thing that you could change is by giving them the Georgetown offensive playbook and saying, okay, you're going to run a. A triple option play set every yeah, but I, play. I see what you're I saying, think... but the same notion, Lamar just does what he's told at the end of the day. Like, I understand the criticisms, and trust me, I have criticized Lamar many times in the past. But at the same time, watching them play the Bills, all I saw was a stale offense with Mark Andrews, uh, wide receiver one, in – quotations who's actually a wide receiver two or three at best in Marquise Brown and no separation on any of the routes. So at the end of the day, Lamar was forced to run all the time. Like I think that the Ravens realize if they're ever going to win a bunch of playoff games, the passing game has to change. And I would not be shocked if they pull a Buffalo Bills move. I'm calling it right now and trade for a guy like Beckham Jr. I'm not saying it's going to be Beckham for sure, but Kenny Galladay's on the market. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like if they bring in somebody yeah. who can meet a wide receiver, one. I think I think it makes more sense for them to sign a Galladay. Um, I would probably sell all of my Galladay shares if they did, because like I don't trust Lamar. I get what like, you're I'll saying. I'll get hundred percent. And yeah, like I'll 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 rip him a new asshole later on, but like. Like right now, I don't like, trust. I don't trust I Lamar either. On, but at on, the same time, to bring it back to the rookies, it's why J.K. has some such good stock because Lamar runs all the time and makes well, it easy for J.K. Well, you want to know something like, and I find this interesting is J.K. reminds me a lot of Mark Ingram when he first came out of. Uh, he is kind of like a mini York. I think Mark they're very. I can see that. And I think Mark Ingram, like, it sucks because I think Mark Ingram still has something left in the tank. I don't know if it's in a thousand yard rushing season, like, but it could be something. 
and it sucks that he didn't get to do anything this year. But like, I think like he was the perfect coach for. I Dobbins. think I think I could see Mark going to Buffalo on a side note. I know it's on you know in this this section, but Buffalo. Uh, I don't want to talk about team too much, but they're in desperate need of a running back. That's all. Fuck. I'll I'll, I'll say. Yeah, I don't want to talk about. I I I was so hopeful on Singletary to do something well. My shares are rude. I treated Calvin Ridley for fucking Devin Singletary and Zach Moss at the beginning of the season. I still like Zach Moss, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. No, that was I'm so pissed off about that trade to this day. That guy also offered me in the same offer. He also offered me guys for Devontae Parker, and I well, said no. Yeah, I mean that's I feel that's a bad trade. So, all right. Well, when we come back, we're gonna talk our most improved players. I know Kyle's probably gonna jerk it to his guy, but uh, yeah, when we come back, we're gonna talk most improved. So stick around. All right, and we're back, and we're talking most improved. Let's jump into it. And uh, Kyle, I'll stroke your ego for a second, okay, buddy? My most improved player is Stefan Diggs. Easily, without a doubt, if there was a most improved award in the league, it would go to him hands down. When you're talking a receiver who's walked into the league and just every single year improved from the year beforehand... It's Stefan Diggs. And he just showcased why he is worth everything in dynasty format. He is a top five wide receiver going, going through the future. I would probably right now rank Diggs higher than Michael Thomas. But Kyle, I know he's on, he's my guy I'm talking about, but I'll let you, t- you know, do what you got to do and just don't get any come on your face. Okay. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I would agree with you. He's easily higher than Michael Thomas. I'm not sure where Thomas falls on my rankings at this point. With the, you know, uh, retirement of Drew Brees, or at least expected retirement of Drew Brees, uh, that could be good for him, I guess, with, uh, you know, Javis Woodson potentially taking over, but I don't want to get too distracted. I mean, like, you know, Diggs went from, you know, an 1,100-wide wide receiver at best, like 1,100 yards a season, you know, to Mm. 1,500 yards, led the league, 127 catches, the most he's ever had. Uh, He didn't have the most touchdowns he's ever had because uh, guys like Dawson Knox and other players were primarily using the red zone. But, like, it's pretty crazy what he did to Buffalo. And, uh, you know, what he did to that offense in general and – there's always going to be the argument about whether it was Stefan Diggs or the next guy that I'm going to talk about, uh, whether it was Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen, who was the reason why either took the next step forward. But I think it just might have been both of them in this rare situation. Both were ready to take that next step forward. Diggs was pissed in Minnesota because he knew he could do this. And he wasn't be give, he wasn't being given the opportunity to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I totally I totally agree. And like when we're, like he just with with Diggs, it was just about getting him an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
and allowing him to showcase why he's a wide receiver one in like not only fantasy sports, but in, in, in real life as well. Like he just, he turned it on. He absolutely turned it on. And to think that at some points last year, I like, even I will have admit, like at some point you could have called me, I would have called what they paid for digs a little bit of an overpayment considering what, uh, considering what Justin Jefferson was like, yeah. Or no, DeAndre Hopkins went for in a trade. God damn. Oh, oh yeah. God, I mean, I get what you're saying, but the same notion, uh, not everybody's the Texans, not everybody's Bill O'Brien. But <laughs> that, like, let's not even talk about the DeAndre Hopkins trade because yeah, that's a but, one in a million situation. The point at the end of the day is the, the fact that Diggs was in a system where he was constantly fighting to be the wide receiver one. Him and Thielen were at odds all the time, and I'm not sure if they weren't friends, but without a doubt, they were at odds all the time. And Diggs took it personally. He wanted to be the guy. Uh, he wanted to be the number one. He wanted to be the the relied-on wide receiver. It's why now that he's gotten to Buffalo, you never hear Diggs complain about anything. I, I and you know what that's fascinating you say that I, I I will say this I can remember watching a video uh from the and it was like a Minnesota Vikings like interview the players interviewing the players and the question was who in this locker room would you least let who in this locker room would you not want your sister to date and I think every player in that locker room was no like, yeah I remember that it's a funny video and I and I think if you went to Buffalo now and you asked the same question I feel like like Diggs would be the guy you'd want your sister to. Uh, I don't know, I don't know about like, that. Like I think the answer would still be the same, but I just think Buffalo understands him, and you want to know why? I think Buffalo understands him. I think for the first why? time in Diggs' life, he has found a best friend. So we're, we're going to transition to the second player for most improved, uh, and that's Josh Allen. I mean, I don't want to focus too much on my Bills. But this is going to be the last time we talk about them, I think, for the rest of the podcast. And, I mean, we had to talk about Josh in a section. 1,500 more yards than he threw last season. You know, 17 more touchdowns through the air. Like, just absurd. And at the end of the day, all his stats were better. But I think the biggest, without a doubt, was his completion percentage. Like, you talk about all the stats, and everybody always said Josh Allen is inaccurate. He can't throw footballs. And that that was his biggest gripe in college. That was his biggest gripe his first year. And even last year, I think he finished 32nd overall in completion percentage. And I even had a gripe with it coming into this season. I was worried about it. But Josh finished with the 68-something completion percentage. He was top five in the league at the end of the season as far as completion percentage. He went from a 52 his rookie year to a 68. I mean, that's absurd. That's some that shows somebody who is obsessed with the sport of football. I'm sorry, it's a 52 to a 69. Like even better, 17 percentage difference in three seasons. He he is just. Every year he has gotten better. And it's not only in the stats, but it's it's the way the kid holds himself. 
And I can remember, like in the summer, both you and me said the same thing. It is the Bills' division to lose. And I think what we saw this, what we saw this year, it's going to be their division for a long. Well, I mean, what did we say? We, we both said the whole division rides on Josh Allen. Whether or not Josh mm-hmm. Allen, because we didn't know last summer, right? We we had never seen this Josh Allen before. I think me and Luke both said like the whole division rides on how Josh Allen shows up. All and, these and haters should shut up. Because they got nothing to say at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, you know what? He showed up. He balled out. And, like, I, I Josh Allen won me uh, two fantasy leagues this year. So, like, man, thank yeah. you. Thank he you, won bro. me a lot. Who we got next, Luke? All right. So, I'm going to pivot because I like my tight end premium leagues. And TJ Hawkinson. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. This guy doubled doubled his from his rookie season he doubled his receptions his yards his touchdowns like holy smokes like i think hawk is going to be he he is a top 5 dino tight end right now i think he's a top 4 redraft tight end right mm. now but yeah, oh, come on. who? My who? fear is that it's... the the lines are about to move on with Stafford. Who is their next quarterback? That's my only fear. I understand what you're saying. I love Hutchinson, but like it's the same thing with like Font. Like Font should be top ten right now. I imagine Font with Dallas Allen. I can't even. Like, but yes, he's being ruined if... by. Don't get me started on Drew I Lock. Think, I That's think. Wrong. I think if Mark Andrews can succeed with Lamar Jackson throwing him the ball, I think, I think you're a little TJ too hard Hawk- on Lamar. Like you talking about a rookie coming no, Oh, okay. Well, look, 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 look. Andrews is a safety valve for Lamar Jackson first and foremost. You know, you rarely see the Mark Andrews catching that ball twenty plus yards down the field. He's a safety valve, a check down option for Lamar. What TJ Hawkinson is, is I think TJ Hawkinson, pure talent-wise, raw talent, is better than Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he can put up top five tight end numbers no matter who the quarterback is. As long as he's healthy, I think and and remember, Amendola, uh Amendola, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay may not even come back. We could see a potential where it's Quint Quintez Cephas, Cephas. Syphilis, you could see syphilis being the starting wide receiver and Hawkinson getting a lot of those receptions. So I think Hawk right now, he's a buy. If you didn't buy him last season, well, you need I mean, to buy him now. Buy, but you're saying he's a top five for sure. I just don't see that. Like I get I get your logic behind it, but I don't know. Personally, me, I would still rather Look, have Hawk. Uh, I would still rather have Hawk. Look, I'm saying right now, top five. Here it is right now. Okay. Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Hawk, and then Fink. Where the fuck is Waller? I think that's... You just completely messed up. Oh, my God. I forgot about Waller. Okay. Take out Fant and put Waller in four. Hawk goes five. No, Waller goes three. Andrews goes four. There Hawk go. goes that, five. I don't hate that list. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole where we argue over tight ends. So I'm just going to go to my next guy. I'd... 
Are you are you sure you don't are you sure you don't want to argue over tight ends? You got a nice <laughs> fucking tight end there, buddy. I do like CJ Hawkinson. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I just I'm not ready to commit him to top five. I can say top ten for the next season. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. No matter what his quarterback situation is, I could see him landing Zach Wilson, which would be a great fit for them. Uh, but their coach scares me a little. Uh, let's just say that. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to talk too much on uh, Campbell, but that Roy Maniac scares me a little. And uh, that press conference was a mess. My God, we're gonna, we're gonna bite him in the knees. I mean, it wasn't, the it wasn't as bad about? as the Eagles one. Oh my God, did you watch that? The guy couldn't put together words. He was just like, "We we're gonna have a simple game plan." We're just like, "What?" Have you ever seen – do you remember that old Vine and it was like that kid being interviewed and he's like, have you ever had a dream that you – Yeah, you, you, that sounded you could, like the you could, That's yeah. literally what it was. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to talk about the only defensive player we talk about the whole podcast. But I think Luke would agree that this guy deserves some love uh, just because of the big step he took forward. And it's almost uh, – it almost doesn't make sense. Um, so Trey Hendrickson – uh, for anybody who doesn't know, is a defensive end, um, the Saints. And, you know, coming into the season, Trey had 6.5 sacks in three years. Uh, came into the season at 26 years old, put up 13 and a half sacks. I'm pretty sure he made the Pro Bowl. I'm almost positive. But he, he, he did not. He okay, did not make so he got, he got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Either way, he had a great season. So, I mean, how does a guy from go from 6.5 sacks to 13 and a half? Like, I mean, that's that's the obvious question. I think it all comes back down to a few things. First off, Saints defense this year. You want to know why the Saints were good this season? It was their defense. Whack. Huh? It was their defense. I mean, it was nothing to do with their quarterback play. We all saw Drew Brees. It was a wreck. And then they decided to play – I don't want to go down this rabbit hole either. They decided to play the Mormon over Jameis Winston. We all knew Jameis Winston was the better pick. And we to try to justify the fact that they're paying, you know, Taysom Hill $18 million a year or something like that. Either way, he had a great season. And I think it all comes down to a few things. Uh, not only did the defense have a good year, but I just think having Cameron Jordan on the other side, uh, probably not only as a disruptive force, but also as a mentor, was probably the big reason why Trey finally took the step forward. And he finally had the opportunity to. I think the Saints finally admitted their losses on their early draft picks that they had uh, as far as uh, defensive ends go. I can't think of his name right now. They took uh, – here, Luke, you want to go? I'll look up the guy's name. I can't think of his name right now. Who they took early. Yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting. I think it's the Saints the Saints approached the uh they approached their season kind of like the Broncos did in 2015. You had Trey Hendrickson who had a phenomenal season. DeMario Davis Marcus had a Davenport. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. They were so committed to Davenport for like the last few years while Trey was there that they weren't giving him enough snaps. And then I think they finally realized they messed up with Marcus Davenport. He is a B-U-S-T. 
He is a bust. He is so bust. He yeah, first round team. pick. Yeah. First round pick, fourteenth overall in twenty eighteen. That's who was playing in front of Trey for two seasons, or basically two and a half. And then finally, they were like, "Oh shit! Like we, uh, we should probably give this white guy a chance." <laughs> like you know, nobody believes it. You know, it's interesting. I want to segue on giving chances. Because, you know, we'll keep it going. I got to talk. Guy who got a chance. Robert Tunyon. Explain to me in any universe where Evan Ingram makes the Pro Bowl over Robin Tunyon. Except for this one. It's not happening. Robert Tunyon literally improved everywhere. He had 52 receptions, 586 yards. And 11 touchdowns. Like, I, I, like, he was a top 10 t- tight end. I would make the argument that he will be a top 10 dino tight end as long as Aaron Rodgers comes yeah, back. Yeah, which we don't know. That's the fear. Again, that's my fear with Hutchinson, who you already talked about. It's my fear with, with Tony and too. Uh, you know, Tony had such a good season. I don't know who's his best friend in the world. I, I, I'll put money on it. It's Devontae nope. Adams. His best friend in the world is George Kittle. And you want to know who he spent the entire summer with this offseason? Was it, was it, it Kittle? It was George Kittle. So you want to talk about hey, his you know growth? It, it you want to talk about his growth? I think it comes down to Kittle just being, you know, Kittle. I mean, let's be honest. Is there... There might not be anybody more lovable in the league than Kittle. I mean, let's be honest. And uh, I'm sure he rubbed off on him because we could see the difference this season. And he had he had big games for sure. And uh, let's be honest, he was inconsistent. But at the end of the day, if you could put up touchdowns at the tight end position, that's all that really matters. Like tight end is such a volatile position. So for him to put up 11 touchdowns, especially- that's enough for him to be – Top 10, and he might have been borderline top five this year in fantasy. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I agree totally. And it's – um, the thing is, is too, is like, it, especially in tight end premium leagues, Tonian could have been a league changer for you. If you picked him up off waivers, he could have absolutely been a league changer for some guys. And, you know, it's I, I do want to make one comment before we talk about our last most No, no worries. Guy. Go for it. But – you say George Kittle is the most lovable guy in the NFL. I'd make the argument that Christian Wilkinson is the most lovable it's guy in the NFL. Christian Wilkins, come on, man! You guys say he's the most lovable guy in the NFL. You're gonna oh mess up my god! Name. Sorry, sorry. I, you know what? I just, I, I so badly want to be his son. I just had to add the son at the end there. He is the but man, yeah, without is... a doubt. But I think, I think, I don't know. I just think Kittle is a very lovable guy. But I think. There's a good point, too, to be made, too. And uh, before I go off my last guy, I think there's definitely a bunch of different tight ends in the NFL, right? And there's the the yak guys, uh, big catch guys. So let's talk Darren Waller, uh, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey. Those are probably the only three in that conversation with Font and Hodgson potentially in that conversation down the road. And they're not in they're they're like juniors essentially, right? But then there's mm-hmm. the touchdown guys. 
that's Mark Andrews. That's Robert Tonyan. Like, Mark Andrews is so yeah. good in fantasy not because he gets crazy yards. It's because he gets, what, 12 touchdowns every season? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I think he only had, like, 500. And, I think His numbers were very similar to Tonyan. Here, I'll, let's look them up right now, how close they were. And I mean, Mark Andrews was injured for – I feel like he's always injured. His damn diabetes. No, I think he had COVID this year. I think that's why he was injured. I think Andrews got COVID. Yeah, this but it year. took him out longer because he has diabetes. Does he have diabetes? I never knew yeah. that about him. So he had 700 yards and seven touchdowns. So a little more. Wow. A little okay. more yards, and he only played. Uh, I think he played 14 games, but I feel like that isn't right according to Pro Football Focus. Last year, he had 850 and 10 touchdowns. But either way, you know, less than 1,000 yards, 10-plus touchdowns if he's healthy. Like, they're very similar tight ends. Kittle, yeah. Kittle Kelsey, I- and Waller are 1,200-plus yards if they're healthy the whole season, and they're being fed. The only thing that sucks about Kittle, Kelsey, Waller is they're all just, they're all just getting gray. Yeah, you know? for sure, but and- Kittle's the youngest of them, so – uh, let's wrap up with this last one because we said we were going to be shorter in this section and that did not happen. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this last one, and we'll be brief about this, but I think he deserves some love. Uh, he burned me really bad but, long ago when he was a rookie uh, in the 2017 draft. But Corey Davis had a really good year. And it's 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 not to be underestimated how good of a season he had. You know, he had 984 yards, basically a thousand yards, right? Like you know, as close as you can get. You know, 65 catches mm-hmm. uh, for 92 targets, and you know, he only started 12 games. He only played it out of the 14. Yeah, he I mean, and still, even if with that, he still missed at least two games completely. So you look at that, yeah. he could have easily put a thousand, maybe even 1100, right? Like, and you just look at his numbers before that. And it's just like, I mean, I personally didn't see it coming after his second season. Maybe we thought he was going to take a big step where he had, you know, 891 yards uh, with uh, Marcus Mariota at it, at the helm. But the next season he dropped down to 601 he wasn't healthy all the time, but I think him being the number two to AJ Brown has really benefited him. And I think if I'm Corey Davis, I want to sign a one-year deal with the Titans for, I don't know, $10 million. Uh, they might have the fifth-year option on him because he was a first-round pick. I'm not sure if they're going to exercise that or not. Uh, but if they don't, try to sign with them for like $10 million. Try to pop a thousand yards and then go get paid. Yeah, and I I think it's uh, with Davis especially he he got more opportunity because AJ Brown was injured for what was it like three weeks? AJ Brown weeks? was not healthy the entire season. There was a whole article that came Stop. out how he was dealing with like I don't even know the injuries. It was a lot though. How he was he still ne- had an I know, but season. how he was never healthy the whole season. Yeah, and and you know what? So like, I think Davis is a very good complement to uh, AJ Brown, and I think if you can get Davis cheap right now, 
There's one Irish guy I'm thinking of who will never sell me Davis unless I fork over my left nut. But uh, I'm looking at you, Paul, if you're listening to us. <laughs> but when I'm when I'm looking at when I'm looking at Davis, I see a perfect one-two combo with AJ Brown, and if he can keep the momentum going, I think this offense with Tannehill, Derrick Henry. And AJ Brown and Corey Davis, it could be a real. Oh problem. yeah, without that, and I think especially because they're going to have to slow down how much they feed Henry, and I think they're going to have to go for pass for line this upcoming season. If I could get, and I think it's quite possible you could get Davis for a third in some leagues, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that statement. Fun fact. All uh, right, so we wrap this up. AJ Brown, top ten dino wide receiver. Now you can wrap it up. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could argue that. I mean, right off the top of my head, if I'm thinking wide receivers, no order whatsoever, just to make that clear. Uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Um, Hopkins. Hopkins, and then Stiggs. I, I guess Michael Thomas is still there somewhere. CeeDee Lamb. Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Brown, T Higgins, nah, DJ Moore, without a doubt, if he gets a good quarterback. Okay, yeah, there we go. Top ten. That's that's my top ten. I dollars. think that's only nine. Is that? No, I counted ten. Oh, all right. It's it's this fucking shitty Japanese whiskey. All right. Well, when we come back, we're gonna talk. Biggest disappointments, the guys who absolutely just butt-blasted you in fantasy football because they just weren't what they were cracked up to be. All right, stick around. We are back. Let's just jump into it. Let's rip some players, some new assholes. I'm going to get us started. And you know what? It sucks because I don't really think it's – you know what? Yeah, fuck them. Carson Wentz, man. What the hell? Like – I was never super high on the guy. I always had my skeptic. I was always a little skeptical. In 2019, he had like a really good season. He had his best season as a pro, arguably since 2017, before he went down with an injury. And to see Wentz just fall so hard. And I can remember guys, like I had a guy ask, he wanted Nick Chubb for Carson Wentz straight up. I'm so glad I didn't do it. It was just like awful season. Such an awful season for Carson Wentz. And with the emergence of Jalen Hurts, I don't know where Wentz's value lies if he stays on the Eagles because they're talking about keeping him. And I don't know. Carson Wentz, just huge disappointment for me. Yeah, I think he was a big disappointment for me as well. I uh, I was somebody who kind of bought into Wentz this offseason just because he was cheap. Uh, he was only 20, you know, 28 heading into this this season. I just thought, you know, hey, good time to buy into Wentz. And, you know, he's never really had a bad season before this season. And we've seen what he can be at times. But I just think, and I, I have talked about this before, I think if you want to look how to ruin a franchise quarterback, just look at what the Eagles did to Carson Wentz. I don't know how you have a guy who looks as good as Wentz does in 2017 become what he he does in 2020. And I think that Wentz has a fragile ego. 
Uh, and I think that's the truth of the matter. And I think when they took Jalen Hurts and messed him up in the head and messed up his uh, – his, his, like, confidence? Yeah, his confidence. And then also on top of it, I don't want to go down a whole rabbit hole about Doug Peterson, but I've heard a lot of bad things. Let's just say that. And we've seen firsthand example. He gives the reins to Jalen Hurts, who – now is his new franchise quarterback. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the last game of the season, he benches him for Nate Sunfield for, to give the guy rest. Like, get the fuck out of here. You benched him so, so you guys could have lost the game. We all knew you would have beaten Washington. Like, like Jalen would have beaten Washington in that game. And you already ruined one franchise quarterback. And then you take a win away from your you know, successor, let's just say, it, it makes sense. They weren't wrong to fire Peterson. No, and you know what? I think how he messed up went so bad, because I think Peterson came in as like a QB whisperer almost, and he proved it when they won the Super Bowl in 2018. Like, he proved he could be a quarterback whisperer. Oh, yeah, because he's and- got Nick Foles to win them the Super Bowl. Yeah, like he basically set him up for he set himself up for success and the fact that he has not signed with another team yet goes to show like there was more going on like I agree with you there's more going on in Philly than just Wentz. But that doesn't get he's being paid to be a pro Bowl caliber. No, I'm not saying there's an excuse, but at the same time, you have to view it from an outside perspective. So 2017, the best season you ever had in your entire life. Everybody's looking at you like the future MVP. 13 games in, you get injured. You think the team can't survive without you. They go on to win the Super Bowl that year. I don't know. I don't know how they pulled off. No, I know. Don't don't even think about the the magic of that. Just think about you're an athlete. What would that do to your ego? Well, if I'm, if I'm a top two pick in, in a draft and in like, and my team goes on to win a Super Bowl, I'd be pretty bummed. And no, I know, but I'm not even saying about being a top two pick. You're having an MVP caliber season. You get hurt, team goes on to win the Super Bowl. Almost like it doesn't even matter if you had an MVP caliber season. You know, I th- it's interesting you say that. I think Do you that, know what I'm saying? Like, how does that affect your yeah, ego? You know what? As a quarterback, you're expected to put team first and not have an ego. Like, the quarterback position is like the last position where you should have an ego in, like, in football. And Overall, human. Besides offense. Yeah, besides offensive line. and But, like, yeah, we're all human. And Wentz kind of, like, I'm sure he took a hit when all that kind of happened. And then two years later, like three years later, they drafted his replacement. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't draft a guy in the second round and say, oh, we're just going to use him like Taysom Hill. No, it doesn't work like that. No, it shows. It I does, mean, it's you can't, like with Rodgers. You didn't draft – fucking Jordan Love in the first round because you were comfortable with Rodgers, it showed. You were ready to move on. And I don't want to I don't want to stray in this one situation because we could write a book about it. 
But I think most of this disappointment situation is going to be about quarterbacks. And the next quarterback we're going to talk about uh, is Uh-oh. big side. Is somebody who really broke my heart. I mean, like Dwayne Haskins, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, waste. Waste. To have that much talent, to have the senior year that he had at Ohio State without basically ever playing, right? I mean, just like absurd numbers, which is true. He had absurd talent. And just go to Washington and not fail because he wasn't, you know, good enough, but fail because you didn't fucking care. Yeah, it, it's uh, go to strip clubs, not study film. Like I just like, and and it's not like the booty juice made him any better of a quarterback. It really did not. Like he had just like a really crappy year, all things considered. And like he showed the flashes in his rookie season in twenty nineteen. He was showed his ego at the end of the day. Every from everything I have read, he was cocky as hell. He never certain film, and as much as I predicted him ending up on the Steelers, I don't even think that's a good fit for him because Penn's a lazy shit, let's be honest. Like, they're saying Ben's coming <laughs> back next season. Okay, great, whatever, fine. But, like, Penn's not the mentor you want for a guy who's a, a train wreck. You want Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, you want a... Drew Brees, hell, even a Philip Rivers. Like, Ben is fat, unathletic, like, just, like, has never cared. He's, like, borderline a, a bad person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, he's not somebody you want Dwayne to be influenced by when he's already not doing okay. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you put him on a team – Fuck, man, you have him back up Brady for next season? Guarantee you his way would be five. Yeah, you know what? I think Haskins goes to show what happens when, like, money, fame, success goes to Yeah, him. he reminds me of Johnny and, Football. And, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is football is not tennis. This isn't an individual sport. You can't go out there and just, like, only worry about yourself. You have 52 other guys in that locker room. You are accountable. 100%. And before we move on to the next player, I think the perfect story that really emphasizes the problem with with Dwayne is the the game that he got benched, the, the, the game afterwards or the day after he got benched. He had like 350 or something like that or 312 yards in that game mm-hmm. and apparently he was like I don't know like bragging in the locker room or something like that about his yardage and that's why Rivera benched him. They lost that game and this fucking jackass was more concerned about his yards and stats and at first I thought Rivera was just being an asshole but then I thought about it. I was like Rivera's a really good coach I mean, let's be honest. He's in the upper echelon, probably yeah. top ten in the league without a doubt. Like you think about all he's done, and you know, to make Cam Newton a good quarterback, you got to be really good. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I know. I, I'm just you busting balls there. I love Cam Newton, but honestly, like, like, I don't want. I don't want to stri- stay too long in this, so you can go to your next guy. But just like, I can't. I can't blame the Washington football team for what they did. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's their fault. I don't think Haskins was ever Rivera's guy, and that, and just what happened with him being cut goes mm-hmm. to show it. And then, you know, let's keep the quarterback disappointment going. And, okay, I get it. I'm a little hard on Lamar Jackson. But in Superflex in two quarterback leagues, his ADP was about a 1.3 to a 1.5. It's a disappointment right? in that range. And he – when you draft a guy in the first round of any fantasy football league, whether it's redraft or it's just – it's redraft or it's uh, it's – Daily fantasy Dynasty, or, you know, doesn't matter. Weekly, yeah. We, yeah, like weekly fantasy that, you know, owner box, this really cool company does really well, but no free ads. Um, but like Lamar Jackson, like he had under 3000 yards passing. He had 10 less touchdowns passing than what he had last year. Now, granted, I don't know who this guy is, but somehow even he was still able to rush for a thousand yards. But like you can't, if I'm drafting you with such a high ADP, you can't turn it on at the back half of the season, basically in playoffs. He came alive in fantasy football. He really did. Like without a doubt, he came alive in the playoffs. But like, what did I say last off season? All last off season. Lamar Jackson's touchdown to passing yard numbers were never going to happen again. I said it so many times, and everybody was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, whatever. I was like, no, like, they're not realistic. Like, he had, like, last year he had, what, 39 touchdowns and, like, you know, 3,000-something yards. I was like, dude, like, you don't get, like, a touchdown plus more than – you know, a hundred yards. Like if you have a fifty touchdown season through the air, it's because you threw five thousand yards, at least traditionally. Like it normally goes at least from what I can tell, every hundred yards is a touchdown through the air. Like like and I'm not saying that's there's an exact science behind that, but if you look at it, it adds up. Like Peyton Manning's record breaking season, you know, he broke five thousand yards and he broke mm-hmm. fifty touchdowns through the air. Right, like you know what I mean, like like yeah. it adds up when when Lamar threw thirty nine touchdowns off whatever three thousand yards passing. I knew he's never going to be repeated again. I said it over and over again that it's not realistic that the numbers were too high. And everybody, everybody calls me called me crazy all off season. Am I not wrong? No, and it's true. And the thing is, is if you have a guy fresh off of an MVP. And in, in fantasy or even in real life, you need more from him. You like you can't go if I'm Baltimore with the defense they gave him, because they gave him a phenomenal defense. They gave him a phenomenal offensive line. He has probably one of the best young running back rooms in all of football. Shitty wide receivers, but whatever. He has a team where he should be succeeding. And to go Eleven and five, and just barely scrape into the wild card with the joke that the Pittsburgh Steelers were. Come on, yeah, man. but the Steelers weren't a joke all like, season. Okay, and to be fair, I got the I got the numbers from last season. It was thirty 
3,100 yards and 36 touchdowns. Either way, I didn't think it was going to be repeated. Like, you don't get more touchdowns than your yards in equal percentages to 100 intervals. Does that make sense? Like, like if you have 3,200 yeah. yards, you have 32 or less touchdowns through the air. That makes sense, right? Like, and it showed this season yeah. where he had, you know, 2,700 yards through the air and he had 26 touchdowns through the air. Yeah, and you know what? I, it sucks. I won't drag this on too long. Lamar could reasonably rebound. I think he will, with his ability to run. With, with, his, with his ability to run the ball, he puts himself in top 15 QB ratings no, already. Top 10 with his ability to run. If they get a wide receiver one, he's probably top five again. Look, and I, I've said this before. This will be my last thing about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, wrap it up. In the twenty ninth, in the twenty nineteen Pro Bowl, Adam Thielen beat him in a th- accuracy yeah, throwing competition. Yeah, we know you said it a million That's, times. We've heard it. But... It sums it up. It sums up my point. All right, Kyle, finish us off. Give us your last disappointment. Like, who really let you? Yeah, win? I mean, I guess we're going to go all quarterback for our disappointments, and I hate to even this one. This, uh, this. This hurts more than every other player this season that I drafted, put together, and combined. Like, that's how much this this player disappointed me. Tua, man. I went all I went all in on you. Not a little bit. Like I I got like 15, 20 shares of you, man. Like I, I like I <laughs> went all in on Tua. And I'm not saying uh, I'm not gonna say he's a bust because I don't I don't think he is. I think he'll bounce back fine. But as far as rookie seasons go, Tua it was really a like like just like and the the last game Look, of the you season know- was a perfect example as my Bills absolutely <laughs> pummeled him into oblivion the last game of the season. Look, you know it's bad when they pull you in the fourth quarter for Ryan Fitzpatrick and he leads them down the field to score a game-winning touchdown. Like I don't. There's nothing more else to say. You got replaced for. Fitz you want to know why I think they lost the last season? The season because Fitz had COVID, and the team knew they couldn't win with Tua, so they didn't show up. You know you what? Get what I'm saying? Like, I will give. So they didn't yeah, show up. yeah. Look, I'll give him this. He flashed potential, and I think his potential was nowhere more so felt than when they played Kansas City. When he threw up 316 yards, two touchdowns. To no, one he definitely flashed. Don't get me wrong. And don't get me wrong also. Miami has like zero wide receivers. So it's not like he was exactly mm-hmm. swimming in weapons. And Devontae was hurt all year. So his number one option was Jakeem Grant. Because Preston Williams was like, hey, I'm going to tear my ACL again. Even though I'm a stud. And like <laughs> everybody knows I can be a stud. And if I ever stay healthy, I could maybe put up a thousand yards, but I'm gonna do it again. Like 
<laughs> I love Preston Williams. If he was healthy, he could easily put up a thousand yards. But it's besides the point. Like, Look, it's just like with Tua, it's Miami's in a weird position right now because they are in win now mode, and Tua is a quarterback. He's not Herbert. They might trade for Watson. Got to give him. That's there. It, but that would make but that makes sense for Tua. I think it makes sense for both parties. Tua needs another year or two to develop. Houston gives him the opportunity not to feel pressured. Deshaun Watson will walk into Miami and immediately be ready to succeed. I think Miami is a landing spot I for really him, like not want tra- any trade possibility. Case. I just can't. No, I he would be screwed. Like can you, <laughs> You'd be trading Brady for uh, Watson. I don't know. Uh, worse. Watson definitely. Can you imagine we could get Josh Allen versus Watson twice a year? It'd be the it'd be the two games to watch every year, but it'd also be the the two games. I'm sure that you're crapping your pants and texting me, going, "Don't talk to me. I, I'm turning off my phone." I'll oh yeah, which is done. I mean, and then I don't hear from you. Same notion. Like, let's be honest. So watching. Tua the entire first year, all I saw was a left-headed black Drew Brees. It's all I saw his entire first year. Crazy accurate passes, can't throw the deep ball, but you give him good weapons and build a good line around him, this guy will hit, you know, 15 to 30 yards like clockwork, and you could put up a crazy amount of points with him at the helm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, which was yeah. what Drew Brees was. He never had the deep arm. Like, do you not see what I'm saying? Like, does Tua not reply to Drew Brees? No, I, I, no, I, I totally see. I would compare Tua to Drew Brees. I think it, with Tua having a full off season to kind of rebound from any ache still lingering from that. Well, I think injury, he was scared. It was pretty obvious he, he was scared. Oh, yeah, he was scared to fuck up his hippocampus. But I think if he... Honestly, no. He's had... He had a pretty lengthy injury list coming out of college. Your hip, too? Like, most people didn't think he was going to play in his rookie year. His parents didn't want him to play. And I think the Dolphins probably shouldn't have let him play. I think if they kept Fitz in every game this season, they make the playoffs. It's it's the same thing as with um you know the Jalen Waddle incident come uh, when they played in the uh, in the college finals mm-hmm. and Waddle was like playing with yeah. a broken ankle and everybody was like why are you like protect this guy from himself I think it's the same thing with Tua I think Tua felt that if he didn't show up they would think about moving on from him and he just like it, you need to sometimes you just got to protect players from themselves and this is like a key example of like. I I think Burrow, Tua, and Herbert, all three guys can be phenomenal quarterbacks. No, I agree. And you know what it is? I don't even think it's Burrow being protected from himself. I just think Brian Flores is such a presence. When he tells you to do something, you do it. When he told Tua, I, will, saying- like, I want you to play this next game. Like... You don't say no to Brian Flores. So are you, you know what I mean? Like, 
So are you are are you are, are you saying if you were in a club and Brian Flores I'm not I'm not going to dance and say yes right now but I'm saying you know how good of a coach Brian Flores <laughs> is that everybody does everybody knows how good of a coach Brian Flores is he's not going anywhere for a long time I'm saying that level of respect no. that he gathers he's he's you know Andy Reid Sean McDermott fucking Bill Belichick when he says something you don't question like when you know McDermott says something, there's no oh well, blah blah blah. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like it's long. He said it. That's it. You know what I mean? We're doing it. It doesn't matter. Like and I think that may have played in the situation because Brian Flores wanted to see you play. Potentially, yeah. And you know what? I'll give two of this. Between the hip injury and Miami kind of being in a different place than where Tua really needs to be right now, I think the best thing for Tua is to be traded to Houston. I think if he is traded to Houston, he lands on a team that allows him to grow, mature a little bit. Watson goes to Miami and can do his thing and win them a championship because I think he's that good of a quarterback. I think Miami has that good of a – Miami has – come on, man. You know that Miami has that good of a team that all they're missing is a quarterback and a wide receiver one. If they trade for Watson and then sign a guy like Kenny Galladay in free agency, it's going to be competition in the AFC. Again. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But you're just – I don't want to keep your bad vibes away from me. Let's wrap this up. But I think, I think I – I think, look, on the last note, I think Josh Allen is a game – is a championship winning quarterback. Top five in the league okay? and you know all right, don't even – Mess around. Uh, top top five in the league. Top three. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Top three with Mahomes and like dynasty rankings. Mahomes and then Allen and Kyler could be interchangeable. Yeah, between those are the top three. Without a doubt. All right. All right. Easy. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We are glad we got to return and just got to shoot the crap. I'm really pissed off with my Japanese whiskey, but I will. I will. Manage, Kyle. You got anything? No, it's fun to be uh, back. It's a little bit of uh, all over the place first episode back, but we wanted a lucid fun bot, and that's what matters. Exactly, and you know what? If you don't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dynasty Kings Pod, and we will be back soon. Thank you guys for listening.